Hey folks, this is Mike McCarroll. Welcome to the Get Real Safety Podcast, where we discuss the new view of safety, the things that work, the things that don't work, and try to break down old view paradigms to help you improve safety performance in your organization. How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing great. It's mid-January, and it's like 65 degrees and pouring rain. This is strange. Usually by now in the Atlanta area, we at least get a little bit of cold weather and sometimes even snow. Anyway, we got a great podcast for you today. The title is Human Performance. What is it? Now, I realize that there are lots of folks out there listening to this who are very familiar with human performance, but there are also those who are new, maybe haven't heard about it at all, and some people that have just heard some little introductory information and want more info about what this thing is. One of the things that we really strive to do in our podcast and also in our practice is to keep things simple. In fact, one of our successes at ProSafe is to take complex topics and put them in plain, simple language that people can actually understand. There are lots of great books and lots of great speakers out there that talk about human performance. But I guess one of the things that bothers me is sometimes they are so academic, it's hard for the average person to understand. Sometimes the talk is just way too academic for the average person. You know, recently I was reading a book, and and it was about HP. It was so academic that you would read a paragraph and then have to sit there for 20 minutes thinking about, what did that guy just say? Now, you got it after a while. You sat there and thought about it, but the thing that crossed my mind, is that really necessary? It sometimes comes across as academians trying to impress other academians with all their high-minded talk and trying to impress everyone with their vast knowledge. I don't know about you, but if I sit in some conference or read some book like that and the topic goes right over your head, what did you really get out of that? What value was there in that? So I just say all that to say we like to keep it simple, keep it plain, talk plain language, things people understand, and hopefully the average person, the average worker, the average supervisor, the average manager will be able to take this information and go apply it. So that being said, let's get into it. Human performance, what is it? First of all, you hear all kind of terms for human performance. You hear terms such as systems thinking. Human Performance Improvement, or HPI, HU, Systems Thinking, Risk-Based Thinking, HOP, Human and Organizational Performance. I mean, it's all over the place. But the fact is, it's the same thing. It's the same stuff. All of that work is derived from great researchers, people like Jens Rasmussen, James Reason, Sidney Decker, uh, and other folks like Shane Bush, Tony Mishara, other folks like Dr. Todd Conklin, Rob Fisher, Bob Edwards, and many others that we draw from. But when you put it all together, the bottom line is it's about systems thinking. So probably a good place to start is with a definition 
given by Sidney Decker. His definition is an individual working within organizational systems to meet expectations set by leaders. What does that mean? Let's break it down. An individual, that's just a person, that's a human being, working within organizational systems. What is a system? You know, all organizations are systems. And people, to a very large degree, become a product of the system that they're working in. That system can accelerate performance. Sometimes it can hinder performance. Sometimes that system may increase the chance of errors. That system may also increase the chance of at-risk behaviors. Most behaviors in the workplace happen within the context of the work itself. To understand the behavior, we have to understand the context of the work from which it emerged. Now, the last part of that definition is to meet expectations set by leaders. And all that means is people are trying to do what their bosses want. They're trying to do what they think the company wants out of them. Unfortunately, sometimes management sets up goal conflicts. Sometimes performance expectations don't meet reality. Those expectations could exceed the capacities of an individual. It's easy to blame the worker when an event occurs, but is the system setting them up for failure? So here's what that definition really means. People are just people, and most people want to do a good job. Most people are actually trying to do a good job, but sometimes the system generates behaviors and generates errors that the organization does not want. We will never understand either one without understanding the system in which people work. Another popular definition is a method to improve results by understanding the scientific principles that govern the actions of people. Or, as another gentleman, Tim Autry, says, it's why people do what they do the way they do it. That's a really good, simple definition. I really like that one. Now let's think about what comprises the systems that people work within. An organizational system is comprised of the people, the features of the tools and equipment, the schedules, the budgets, the management decisions, the culture, the degree of leadership, and a whole lot more. That system is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets. Let's just take the cultural aspect alone. I don't care what company, I don't care what industry it is. If you take a person and put them into a high-performing safety culture, they have to rapidly sync up their behavior to what that culture allows, what it reinforces, what it tolerates, or quite simply, they will not survive in that culture. You take that same person and you put them into a lower-performing culture, and over time, here's what you see. Their behavior deteriorates until they sync up with the lower-performing culture because people have to assimilate into the culture that they're in. I mean, think about it. You take a person from a high-performing culture and you put them into a lower-performing culture, what are their coworkers going to do to them? They're going to harass them. They're going to give them a hard time. And ultimately, they will sync their behavior up to what that lower-performing culture demands. So human performance is about understanding human error, it's about understanding human behavior. It's about learning how to build better defenses by understanding the systems in which people work. To truly understand human performance, you have to first understand that it is an operating philosophy. It is not a program. And in fact, it's a mistake to turn it into a program. I mean, we all know about programs, right? What happens to programs? Just the term program 
sends shivers down my spine. The term program kind of connotates more forms, more rules, more regulations, and it also connotates something other than what we do. It's just a program. Safety can't be a program. It has to be about the way that people work. This is kind of important, I'll tell you, because oftentimes after somebody hears an HP intro, the first thing they think is this is some new program. New forms, new rules, and the surest way to shut people down about human performance is to talk about it as a program. Of course, everybody wants a program. Everybody wants something, a template to go by that, uh, that you just write up, put it out to the workforce, and voila, you now have a human performance program. Sorry, folks, it doesn't work that way. A few months back, I received an email from a safety professional who wanted to schedule a one-day training session for his executives. In the email, he commented that we don't want theory. We want a blueprint. We want a template of how to implement HP in our organization. We don't want theory. We want a program. The guy who sent the email had only been exposed to a short two-hour introduction. What he was really saying is, I don't want to do the work. I don't want to do the research. I just want somebody to hand me a pre-done, check-the-box program that we can roll out to the company and say we've got human performance. So first of all, we have to get away from this program mindset and understand that HP is an operating philosophy. It is an operating philosophy. Let me say that again. It is an operating philosophy. It is a way of thinking. It's a new approach. It's a way of viewing and responding to failure. And it changes everything in the organization. It improves employee engagement. It motivates workers. It helps, more than anything, management to understand what it takes to do the work how the behaviors and the errors emerge from the work itself, and how to build much better defenses than the old traditional accident investigations and inspections and traditional stuff that we do in safety. As a result, HP will look different from organization to organization because all organizations are different. There are certainly some things that can be applied across the board to most organizations, but by and large, HP has to be customized to the organization itself. The reason it's important to understand that HP is an operating philosophy is that the way we think and the way that we operate colors the way that we respond. The old traditional crime and punishment model of safety views the workers as offenders or violators. It views everything as a violation. And as we discussed in the previous podcast, human error is not a violation. Human error cannot be a violation because human error is unintentional. It's truly amazing that organizations view everything as a violation, that errors are viewed as violations. Everything is just kind of lumped into one category with no separation between intentional and unintentional. The problem with that, of course, is that if everything is viewed as a willful decision, then the, the outcome is always going to be blame the worker, which obviously leads to flawed defenses. I'll tell you, in our work with many, many companies, especially doing culture assessments, 
We find that the vast majority of accident, quote, investigations, unquote, never really hit the mark. They tend to devolve in blaming the employee or determining that the worker chose to screw up, then seeks to beat safety into the employee through disciplinary action, punishment, or penalty. Logically, this makes no sense whatsoever. We all know as people, as human beings, that when somebody just makes a mistake, when they just forget something, that's not something that is willful. But out in the workplace, somehow, that gets lost. Frankly, I put some of that blame on OSHA and on the legal community. If you think about how safety professionals are trained, initially, they're really trained around regulations. They're trained around enforcement. In other words, safety has been modeled around law enforcement. Now, that's nothing against OSHA. OSHA is a law enforcement agency. They have a purpose. They have a reason to do what they do. There certainly are some employers out there that will hurt their people unless there are regulations and enforcement of those regulations. OSHA is needed. But that doesn't mean that's how we have to actually practice safety. The legal community and insurance companies are often looking to assign blame. For insurance companies, it's to get out of paying a claim. For the legal community, is to shift blame to the worker to alleviate the company from liability. All of that is fine and good, but it takes away from actually understanding what's going on when an event occurs. If investigations are flawed, that means the defenses that get designed are also flawed. Organizations spend a lot of money, in fact, waste a lot of money, on defenses that have nothing to do with what's actually going on that's generating the error or generating the behavior. Those defenses usually revolve around retraining someone or asking them to be more careful or to care more. It sort of assumes that if the worker cared more, if they paid more attention, that they wouldn't get hurt. It sort of assumes that people get up and go to work to get hurt and that they have to be controlled to keep that from happening. So what's the difference? HP recognizes that human error is inevitable. You will never, ever get rid of it. You can't train that out of people. You can't incentivize that out of people. And you can't punish that out of people. I mean, think about it. You can't train someone to not forget. No amount of incentives or trinkets are going to cause someone to not make a mistake in the future. And frankly, it's ridiculous to think that we can. HP recognizes that people are going to fail and that we have to make it safe for them to fail. In other words, we have to assume that error will occur and we have to control the consequences of when it occurs so that we don't have a bad outcome. And in future podcasts, we will talk a whole lot about how to do that. Now, for the operational folks out there listening to this podcast, here's some great news. HP is not just about safety. It's about operational excellence. People make errors in every area of performance. We have errors in quality. We have errors in production. We have errors in customer service. People make errors. Lawyers make errors. Doctors make errors. Estimators make errors. Managers make errors. We all make errors every day. It's a mistake to only integrate the principles of human performance around safety because everything in an organization is interconnected. You can't just isolate safety out 
as a separate thing and only apply human performance to that. If we're utilizing systems thinking around safety but yet punishing errors in other areas of performance, it will quickly undermine the integration of human performance into safety. Now, oftentimes organizations start with safety because if you can make it work in safety, you can make it work in other areas of performance. Oftentimes when I'm giving executive presentations, the first thing that executives see is how this applies to other areas of performance. These are smart people, and they get it. Because they are responsible for every area of performance, not just safety. I recently had a gentleman in class at Georgia Tech who was taking the HP2 course, which is about implementation and integration. And he was a quality control guy. And he was telling the audience that when he went through an HP introduction, that's the first thing he saw, is how much this applies to quality. And so they've been using a lot of the human performance techniques to improve quality in their organization. When one of their laboratory technicians makes an error, they immediately view that as a learning opportunity, and they have vastly improved a lot of their operations by viewing it in that way. A couple of years ago, I was given a presentation in Charleston, South Carolina at a naval weapons base for a contractor. This is a large contractor that builds embassies all over the world, and they do work on military bases. And we did a one-day session on human performance around safety, but they called about a month later and said, would you come to our corporate office and do a one-day session on the kind of errors that we make in the office? We don't want to talk about safety. In fact, we don't even want to mention the word safety. They said, we make errors in the office. Our estimators make errors. Our project managers make errors. We have clerical errors. We want to talk about the kind of errors that we have in the office. As we went through that session and we started discussing some of the pressures, the constraints, and some of the error precursors that existed, particularly for the estimators, it became obvious why so many errors were occurring. Sometimes their estimators would leave significant amounts of money out of a bid, and then they would get the job. What's worse? Now they've got a project with not enough money in the bid or in the budget, and they somehow have to figure out now how they're going to build that project. That also means that some poor project superintendent now has got an inadequate budget and is going to have to figure out how to actually build that job. That creates even more problems. By identifying the error precursors and some error reduction tools, that they could use, and also some issues around their system that needed to be fixed, they've been able to significantly reduce the number of errors that they make just in that one department alone, which has saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, when you think about the cost of errors in organizations in every area of performance, it's truly astounding. Three or four years ago, I got asked to speak to the CEO of a large corporation. The safety staff had talked to him about human performance, but he was pretty skeptical. So the first question I asked him was, how much do you think errors cost you? Let's take safety completely out of the picture. How much do errors cost you in terms of quality errors, production errors, customer service errors, clerical errors, estimating errors? Just think about all of that. You could see the light bulb go on. He leaned back in his chair and said, millions. At that point, we began having a practical discussion about error, 
how errors occur, how errors oftentimes stem from the system itself. He ended up canceling another meeting, and we sat there for two and a half hours talking about humor performance, and all of a sudden, he was on board. Another reason it's important to view HP as an operating philosophy is that it changes thinking. It changes the language or the acumen in the organization, and by changing the language, we change the thinking. By changing the thinking, we change the culture. We end up with a culture of engaged employees and employees who are willing to be honest when events occur. We end up with organizations that are error tolerant and that are learning organizations. Because here's the bottom line. Learning is key. We can't inspect, punish, or train our way to safety excellence. It's only by learning the deep, underlying organizational influences that generate errors or cause people to take shortcuts that allows us to have the kind of understanding we need to be able to build the right kind of defenses. So what would HP look like in an organization? I get asked that question quite a bit. Well, like I said up front, it's going to look different from organization to organization. There's no blueprint or template that you overlay on all organizations that works. It's really about framing operations around the principles of human performance and ensuring the pillars of human performance are intact and have integrity. And we'll talk about the principles and pillars in later podcasts. But just sort of in a nutshell, here's what it would kind of look like. Human performance would be integrated into the thinking of the organization, the language of the organization, the approach it takes to analyzing and responding to events. People would feel like they have an organization where they can bring up errors without fear of retribution. The principles would be integrated into planning, and into the design of new defenses. Supervisors would recognize things like performance modes. They would continuously identify error-likely situations. They would constantly report errors, and they would be involved in learning teams. Those learning teams would be comprised mostly of the workers, who are the real operational intelligence in any organization. And the organization would harness the power of the workers. As Sidney Decker says, The workers are not the problem. The workers are the solution. Well, I guess that's about enough for today. But I did want to mention that I'm going to be speaking in Las Vegas at the Associated General Contractors National Conference on March 9th and 10th. If you're out there, stop on by. I'm doing two sessions out there. And the good thing about this national conference is it's going to be attended by people from every area of performance. We'll have company presidents, operational managers, project managers, safety personnel, and uh, I'm really looking forward to speaking at this conference. Hope to see you there. So with that, take care, have a great day, and go out and save a life today.